This is Biz, and if hosting One Bad Mother for over 10 years has taught me anything, it's that parenting is hard and nobody gives a shit. So belly up to the low bar, where fine is good enough and you'll never feel alone. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, let's get storked. We talk to Julia Carroll about making a family any way you want. Welcome, Julia. Oh, thank you. I am so happy to be here with you today. Such a pleasure. (laughs) Well, thank you. Just real quick, before we get started, I want to let everybody know that Julia Carroll is a mom, creative leader, warm friend, animal lover, and champion of alternative families and host of Storked, which is her exploration to discover all the different ways yeah. families are made. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of questions about some of I'm very excited about that. And that's just like among many of the other things that Julia does and that we're going to get into to talk about. But before we do, I have to ask, who lives in your house? Oh, what a great way to ask that question. (laughs) I love that. Oh, my goodness. Um, And it is you are a champion for alternative families by asking it in that way, right? Yeah. Um, It's like the equivalent of what are your gender pronouns? It is just the right way to be sensitive about what your family looks like. So mine is me and my almost two-year-old son and a very (laughs) wild dog. Um, (laughs) And that's it. That's plenty. <laughs> it is more than enough. It's more. It really is more than I am not a believer in like quantity equals quality, as it were, of life. I am like, look, one can be more than enough. I and sometimes agree. five is just fine. That's true. And you know what? When it was just me before the dog and before the baby, that was also great. Sometimes yeah. when they're all screaming and barking and crying yeah. at the same time, it is way too stimulating. So yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So we're just going to jump right in. Yeah. Yeah. So you made a choice, relationship ended, made a choice, want to be a parent, want to have a kid in my house. And we sometimes on the show, we have explored different, like the different ways kids get in your house. And what level of guilt do you feel when you don't really want to be dealing with it, right? Like, so it's like people (laughs) who have worked in fertility for years and years and years and all they want is a baby. And then they're like, I am really tired of being yelled at or puked on, but you don't want to say anything because if you do, you asked for this. And then like, (laughs) it is so true. So I love that you tackle that topic in your podcast, among many, many, many others. It's one of those hidden things. We're just now starting to talk about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. We're starting to realize that those same emotions can happen post-adoption after having welcoming kids in through step-parenting or fostering or whatever. You know, when your life changes dramatically, there are big emotions. But I think few of us give ourselves permission to feel those big emotions because of exactly what you said, which is, I wanted this. I worked for this. I paid so much money for this. I arranged my whole life for this. And then I therefore don't get to feel the same things that somebody who got pregnant accidentally gets to feel. Which is also, by by the way, getting pregnant accidentally also lots of feels lots of feels and i'll tell you i prayed for that oops i was like can this just where's the broken condom in my life 
<laughs> right. That would have been, I mean, literally prayed for that. And I was like, I'll just bury anyone and then divorce them. And obviously yeah. every path is got its ups and downs. They're all a shit show yeah. in some ways. And they're all wonderful in other ways. And so the way I ultimately did it was with the tremendous help of a fertility doctor and a sperm donor, which has its own complications. I'm sure we can talk about that if you'd like. I do. And, what are the complications yeah. with a sperm donor? Oh, Tell oh me. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, so... <laughs> I'm in I'm in business, right? My yeah. my professional career on a day-to-day basis is to look how business models function, how they work, how to optimize them, how to make more money. And when I do well, when my firm does well, we make companies better because we're thinking about how to make your bottom line stronger, how to make more money, right? And right. then everyone's happy. We employ more people, the communities are stronger, whatever. That's my pitch for finance. <laughs> whatever. <right>? Whatever. <laughs> so it's a it was a really big surprise to me after I had my kiddo that guess what? The sperm donor community, it's an industry. We it is there is an industry that exists that makes babies by selling genetic DNA product, selling sperm, selling eggs, selling embryos. Yeah. I should have realized of that. Right. Of course. And so right? whenever there's money and children involved. It gets very complicated. Some of the complications I have since learned, and I'm learning to parent with them, and my child's only two, so I'm just at the very beginning, is your child doesn't get to know one half of their DNA, and they might have big emotions around that. If they do ever meet the other person that has their DNA, that person may not want to meet them. And so there's big emotions around that. My child may have 10, 20, 30, 40, 60 children that are related to them, siblings. Some people call them diblings. A lot of people have a, an issue with that. I mean, so there's big things around. <laughs> of course, the fact there that my are child, nicknames. Right, is like a donor-conceived person. And there's now this <laughs> movement to protect donor-conceived yes. people. And it's really important. And then the other thing that's really important is my kid doesn't have full access to his medical history. We know what well, the donor right. shared up until the point that I use this donor, but we don't know if anything changes, if the donor develops schizophrenia, if they develop cancer, anything, any autoimmune disease, which might be pertinent to my kid's medical care. So it's it's one of those things I didn't think about when I was first well, getting pregnant. I was pregnant. ask, right? like, I'm a big, like, I'm smart. I was raised by like a lawyer and a PR guy, you know, <laughs> like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Read, read, read. My gut says this is absolutely not sure. I'm going to sign it. And then, yeah, like totally. I really get it because in general, we're just sort of told sperm, egg, baby. And when I think about a sperm donor, I totally think about like a sperm. I'm just getting some yeah, sperm. Exactly. And there's a human behind that sperm and who what? may have, you know, right, exactly crazy. And they may be fully aware of all the consequences of making children and getting paid to do that. And they may not fully appreciate it because they're young and the things that I wasn't thinking about in my early 20s, you know, that have long-term lifelong consequences. At the same time, these donors are you have huge hearts and they're amazing people to help us create families. And without this donor conception industry, most of us wouldn't have kids. And that's single parents by choice, people who have male factor infertility, which by the way, is about 50% of those couples, heterosexual couples facing infertility, male factor. We don't like to talk about that. We like to no, pretend that it's only the woman, right? It's only the women. That's, that's right. Our fault, right? Yep. Gay and lesbian women, gay men. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this donor industry is huge. It's growing because we're more and more people are making families in alternative ways. We should be making families in alternative ways. So it's this weird catch-22 between this is so awesome and it has implications. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it has implications. But I wonder, it will be interesting to see where the laws go with this yes, as yes. we go forward, especially in a time when we are policing more mm-hmm. uh, women's bodies. Yes. And, and it will be interesting to see if that will have any impact on sperm donation, egg donation, any of the fertility questions that we have out there. A hundred percent. I mean, when Roe v. Wade fell, which was approximately a year ago. A year ago. Right. Certain justices were quoted in the news. You can see it. And I won't. I, basically saying IVF is next. Interracial marriage is next. Gay marriage is next. I mean, it was. it's it's broadcast that this was on the agenda of certain politicians. So we live at this weird world where on one hand, socially, more and more of us are saying, yeah, alternative families, let's do it. Let's support anyone who wants to have a family. Yeah. And by the way, that family doesn't have to include kids. And politically, we're pushing back on that saying, nope, the family has to look a certain way. And our laws and regulations are going to restrict that. Unfortunately, there's very clear links between the adoption industry and the lack of abortion care, right? So if if we don't have enough adoptable babies, well, one of the best ways to do that is to increase the rate of teenage pregnancies, which has been steadily falling over the past 20 years. Huh. Interesting. I didn't mean to get political on this. Oh, my God. Let me get angry about that right now. I know. Well, I mean, look, because I assume that just like the fertility industry is an industry. There is yeah. an adoption industry. Yeah. And I got to say, just even tagging the word industry onto both of those things or anything that has to do with people's bodies and choices is seriously messed up. It's icky. But, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's icky. But, you know, I pay for a bottle of water. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. haha, yeah. they've got us. The idea of, Industry versus so many people who just are trying to make a family however they want to make it. I I, got to ask, doing the show, you know, in addition to all the other work that you do, but doing the talking to people about alternative families, have you found that there is a the red between them all when it comes to both the excitement and the pursuit and then the pitfalls or threats to what they've created? Yeah, I think, you know, let's walk away from politics for a second and just talk about social norms. Yeah. I think a lot of us have to revisit the way in which we were educated and growing up around what a family should look like. And many of us have this perception in our head, I have to do it this way or, or what, right? And there's this, there's this, sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's guilt that my life doesn't look a certain way. But for most of the families I talk to, there's a restructuring and a reorganization of the way in which we think our lives should be, right? So I thought I was going to be partnered and now I'm joyfully not partnered. I mean, if the right person came along at the right time, maybe, but you know, I had to redirect my life to the path I'm currently on. And the path I'm currently on is way better than I could have ever expected. And that happens for a lot of people. It happens for people who are facing infertility. Nobody says, guess what, guys? I'm going to be infertile and I really want kids. Like nobody says that. Let me just when spend... I grow up. Right. <laughs> I want all of my money to be spent yeah. uh, on, on this one thing. Or... I want to put my body through a bunch of work. 
Precisely. <laughs> or like, I want my doctors to not listen to me because yeah. I have endometriosis and nobody believes that that's a real thing. They, you know? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's, woo! Right. So, so very few people say this is the path I'm on. Yeah. And then life happens. It just happens. And then we have to adjust. So often the podcast is about how do you pivot? How do you navigate through it? How do you uncover what you really want in life? How do you reassess your values? And somebody who is going through an infertility journey might choose to give up. And let me take that word back. It's not even giving up. They might say, I'm done. I'm done spending the money. I'm putting my body through this. I'm going to instead pivot to a child-free life, or I'm going to pivot to being the best aunt or uncle possible. I'm going to pivot to, maybe I'll pivot to adoption, or they might choose to keep fighting. And those choices are so individualized that society can't tell you what you should do. They can't tell you what's right or wrong. So the first thing I think that's a theme through all the stories I talk to is, there's a lot of pivoting involved. The second is there's a lot of getting to know yourself. Like what is what do I truly believe is right for me? And so hard. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's so hard. hard. I mean, like, yeah. and like with, uh, I've been in therapy for a million years. And 100%. I'm still, I'm still like, what am I doing? I don't do anything that really brings me. Is this joy? Quite like yes. that goes back to that initial thing we were talking about about. Once you get kids in your house and the guilt of like how that pivots what we thought was going to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am very happy with the choices I have made. Simultaneously, I question them sometimes and I wonder like, where would I be if I had done other things? Or is this, you know, how long will this last before I can? And I think the narrative like you said about this, what a family looks like, there's also a very strong narrative around what a mother is supposed to do, feel, be good at, not care about. And I got to imagine that all the families that, well, I think it's true for all families, but especially when people have pursued and done the soul searching and made this work again, when it's fulfilled, when when it's met, it doesn't mean that like all things are answered for you. Well, I think particularly in the infertility space, yeah, or in the in the solo parent by choice space, or whatever, however you want to go through it. There's this feeling of as soon as I get to baby, yeah. my life will be complete, oh. and it's not true, right? You, yeah. you ah, have to create a complete life, <laughs> and right, in the same way that like. Sometimes I feel like if I just had a partner, my life would be complete. No, I have to live a complete, full, wholesome life. Help, wholesome life, I think is the word I'm looking for. I have to live the best life possible. And then if a partner comes in, they enrich and enhance that. Right. Theoretically, obviously, we know partnership. That doesn't always happen, right? Sometimes you're like, get out of my space. Get out of my face. Like, God, why are you in my life? Um, so, right. And the same thing. And and so why are we permitted to feel that way about our partners? Why are we permitted to say, oh God, you're yeah. annoying the crap out of me right now. And not about the children in our lives or the animals in our lives. I mean, my dog barks constantly. Yeah. And sometimes I want to be like, just shut the fuck up, fuck up. right yeah. now. And one thing that's really interesting, and because you talk about the word mother and, the, and what it means is that the distance between the way society expects us to behave and what we truly want in life. The people that I talk to that have the hardest time with that distance is the people who choose to be child-free. People yeah. say, oh, you'll, 
in a couple of years, you're going to change your mind. Doesn't your partner want a kid? You know, yeah. oh, like if you only knew what a mother's love was, then you would want this. As oh, though there's like, gross. <laughs> it's disgusting because it just assumes that what you want in your life is so much yeah. more important or more valuable, or your definition of mothering is more important, more valuable than somebody who chooses to mother a plant or a dog or their niece, you know, or as a foster parent or whatever. So the weird thing about this alternative family building is that people have a lot of opinions and some of us choose to internalize them and that prohibits us from choosing what we really want in life. And some of us choose to say, no, thank you. And then you get a lot of backlash sometimes, particularly in the child-free communities of hearing. Well, it's funny, like there is those comments, oh, you'll change your mind in a couple of years or doesn't your partner, they fall into that same camp that if you are, however you're trying to plan your family with or without kids, people feel they have uh, some sort of right to share all sorts of dumb opinions, right? Like the one, one of the ones that makes me crazy still is the like, oh, do you have kids? Yes. Is it, do you have a boy and a girl? And I want to say, well, they, they're, they're a little of everything. Yeah. Uh, But it's that line of, oh, you're so lucky. You've got one of each. And mm-hmm. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I don't even know, like, I don't even know how to unpack that or what that's supposed to mean. And for example, my husband and I used to joke, yeah, well, we had a boy and a girl, but then they switched. It's just not who we thought they were going to be yes. as they yes. explore their gender. Or people coming up and thinking they can touch your body or people mm-hmm. thinking they can come up and tell you you know, and even within the medical profession, like you were talking about the dismissal of endometriosis, you know, that I got to assume for people looking to start a family in a non-traditional way, they have to deal with both, right? The, this why questioning of your choices all the time on top of all the medical sometimes disregarding or not seeing you as the person that you are or not treating your identity the way it needs to be treated or, I mean, we're, a lot of things are coming to the forefront. Not that any of that is a huge fucking surprise, but it's nice to be talking about it. But just that yeah. gender, race, finances all play into how you are treated as you make a family. hundred percent. But it, it's like... For starters, I always say everyone has a family. You know, we all deserve a family and everyone has a family. So there are people who say, well, I don't know that I can be a guest on your family because I don't have kids or I don't have whatever. And so, well, tell me about your aunts. Tell me about your, you know, and all of a sudden you sit in conversation with somebody, maybe it's over coffee or whatever. People's family lives pour out of them. We all have rich, textured, interesting family lives, even if, by the way, we're in a heterosexual couple um, with kids, right? That looks on the outside like a quote unquote normal family. So that's the first thing I'll say. So then if you take this idea that everyone has these complicated family lives, family touches everything. It touches self-identity, self-worth. It touches relationships with or without a partner. It touches how society sees you, how you see yourself, and it touches the medical world. And so it's just like, it's just a hot mess, which makes for, by the way, a great podcast because people have so many things to talk about. (laughs) They do. I know. They just need a place to let it out. It's awesome. You go into looking at alternative families, right? I know in my 
had, I would probably have like a list of, oh, I know I'm going to talk to somebody like this, like single or, you know, solo or like there's this list and then you get into it and you discover more than you thought. So tell me about all the ones I'm not thinking about. What? Tell me about how families look so far. God, I mean, there's, there's literally every derivation. And you're totally right that I can think I'm having a conversation about one topic and they're like, and then, and then the next thing you know, you're veering into something else. So, you know, you might think about, we're talking about a fertility journey and we're talking about the medical institution. We're talking about how we're treated by the medical institution. We're talking about like, how much do I battle this? And then we start talking about loss because people have miscarriages and that's horrendous. And unfortunately, frequently occurring now that we have limited access to healthcare in certain parts of the country. So, you know, there's so many so many moments. In fact, I was just having a conversation with somebody else about the midlife moment, what it feels like to be in midlife. And then all of a sudden we were talking about two divorces and uh, raising kids in your teens, twenties, and thirties, because she had one in each decade. And like, I didn't know that's where the conversation was going. That's so cool. So I am always surprised by where the conversation heads. I'm also always surprised by how many people say things like, I had to switch doctors um, because I wasn't being heard. Or, you know, I had to talk to my family members in a different way so that they could truly understand my point of view. Or, you know, but then I even still, sometimes I'll think about themes. And I was talking to one of my sister's friends almost a year ago who is in uh, a queer relationship and her partner is trans and they talked about their process. And she was saying, well, what are some of the themes in the family building um, conversations that you have? And I said, one thing that comes up a lot for some people is shame. And she looks at me and goes, I've never once felt shame about my family building experiences or my, the way in which I love and my partner. And I'm like, well, I didn't mean to imply that, but also yes. You know, so the thing about families is you can't find these themes. There's always, there's always something interesting that comes up. If you're asking who my dream interviews are, oh yes, I am. I mean, (laughs) like you know, there are so many people. Like even let's take Glennon Doyle for example. She's a woman who has put her life out there. She's had a number of books. Who wrote about you know all the different ways to think about yourself, your self-identity. And then the next thing you know, she discovers a new layer to herself when she says, wait a minute, I'm not straight. And she falls in love and writes a whole new book, which is her best book yet, because it's the most honest version of herself so far. And we're allowed to grow. We're allowed to change. Our family lives are allowed to evolve. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, it's that sometimes I think as a society, we struggle with the idea of growth and change that like Mm -hmm. people can think they know about something and and that their opinions on it is are correct because of what they know and then they can learn I'm I'm learning all the time I'm stepping in it and learning I mean I just put my boots on every morning and head out into the world because what I have thought was nor, you know, normal or my opinion or yeah. whatever has a chance to evolve. And yes. I see it too much in others and want them to evolve to not reflect it back on me and make sure that I'm evolving as well. And yeah. I think within how we view family, I mean, I it is amazing to me that we're still having an argument about what a family 
should look like in our country. Mm-hmm. And you think, we're not having an argument about that. And then I say, well, if we're telling schools they can't talk about Pride Month in their school, you are saying very clearly that a family who is in your school that is gay is not does not have value the same way a heterosexual family would. Or, you know, look, and I know you've dealt with this. The like it's grandparents day. It's, you know, a yeah. mother's tea at the preschool. It's a father's day, you know, father's dance or just the days where it's really hard to navigate for kids who only have one parent or have two parents of the same sex or live with grandparents or the like. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that it's easier for some people to fight that as opposed to just roll with it is yeah. just mind boggling to me. Well, here's an example. For starters, one of the best ways to work through that is to find your community. And so I've got a couple of concentric communities. You know, one is just an incredibly supportive group of family members and friends. And another is a group of solo moms who are in my industry, solo moms Mm. in finance. And there's five of us. And we have a text chain and we talk all day long. Here's what my kid's doing. You know, we're just all day long. (laughs) That's awesome. There is a billboard on the highway right now that says, you know, I'm going to get the percentage wrong, but it says something along the lines of 70% of all children in single parent households live below the poverty line. We can do better. You know, fathers, you have to stay involved, you know, this kind of thing. And it's this like shaming male partners to be involved in a child's life, which is different than saying... There's another organization called Fathers Uplift, which has been the grant recipient of some Obama grants and is really amazing. And that is teaching parents, particularly those who have been incarcerated, how to parent and how to be a father and stay in their kid's life in a different way. So that's different than saying, okay, this is a value and we're going to support those who want it in parenting classes and giving them clothing so they don't feel, you know, that they're walking right out of incarceration into a household wearing something that they're not proud of, physical materials to teach their kids. Etc. So there's a way to approach fatherhood positively, and there's a way to shame single parents and single moms in particular about not having a man in their life. And we've been texting on this text chain about how deeply triggering that mm. billboard is. Well, of course, if you do some digging, it's funded by an action pack that's actually anti-trans, anti-gay, yeah. anti-all the things that's trying to enact legislation to control our family lives. So I forget what the question was and where I was going with this. No, it's okay. I like it. I like where we wound up. I think, but you're right. I think there is the shaming factor and we have a lot of things that are just sort of built in that we don't realize are built in to how we look at families and what we assume kids are experiencing. You know, like I... We've thought, we've joked on the show a million times, uh, Teresa, who used to co-host with me, she and I were in Chicago doing a show actually on around Mother's Day. We were doing a live show on Mother's Day morning. We get out, go to Starbucks and like there's a doorman at the hotel and he's just handing out flowers. He's like, happy uh-huh. Mother's Day. And I wanted to be like, Teresa and I both were like, okay, we actually are, but How do you know? We have no children with us. I'm not carrying a giant diaper bag. I don't have a sign on, right? We are literally just two women walking to a Starbucks. Uh, And it's a huge assumption. And like, 
I'm like, and I also appreciate the parents who are like, give me my goddamn day. And I'm like, you deserve that day. But that's just like one example of all this like sort of built in. And yeah. I, we go back to the idea of growing and people just not like, don't you take away my right to give flowers to strange women on the street? <laughs> it's it's so hard because look, there are so many ways we receive messages about what we should be doing with our lives. One of them may be somebody handing flowers in the street. And if you're thinking, I don't know if I should be a mom and there yeah. somebody's handing flowers, happy mother's day. I mean, you might get the message, oh, I've got to do this. Or you might get the message, if I don't do this, I'm less valued or less valuable, or I don't feel as, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's a billboard on the street that, that you think, Okay, my friend's a single mom. I support her. Oh my God, my her kid's gonna live in poverty. Maybe I shouldn't support so like and it's not conscious. We don't drive no. down past a billboard, past somebody handing out flowers, past what you know, watch an advertisement on TV that shows a family looking a certain way and saying, Oh, that's the way it has to be. We absorb information in the same way that we absorb pollutants in the air around us, and it informs a very toxic worldview about what is acceptable and what is not. And it's a particularly toxic if you internalize it and feel like I can't make the choice I want. I can't right. make the choice not to become a parent. I can't make the choice to exit a marriage where I don't feel safe because then I'm a bad mom and, you know, or I've failed yeah. or something like that. We we have to do better on behalf of our peers. I love being a mom. It is the best thing that has ever happened to me, but I can't make the assumption that everyone else feels the same way right. and that they should feel the same way. Well, I think it's, <laughs> for me, it comes down to that, like, song dar williams in my old like 20s days you know roaming the country i will not be afraid of women right mm. and i to me in general i will not be afraid of many different people <laughs> in the world like i keep that in my hand i'm like i i'm not literally afraid but the not afraid of women really turned for me to i'm just not going to hate women I'm just yeah. not going to hate them. And I'm not going to like everybody's choices. I mean, and obviously I apply that to men, to yeah. trans, to everybody. But in situations like the ones we're talking about in these narratives, if you could go into it with this, I don't hate you. <laughs> I don't, I'm so glad that, you, you know, like, I'm so glad that this yeah. is what your family looks like or that you, you work full time in this or you stay home or you like mommy wars I say yes. it a million times I think it is bullshit created to make us hate each other more it is opposed to like you said lifting each other up you know like if I totally. if my schedule lets me go to the school for an event I will take pictures for my friends whose kids I mean, who can't come because of a work commitment or because of a doctor's appointment, right? Like little things, and then they do the same for me. Little yeah. things like that are, I think, just critical, right? Like I'll hold your stroller while you're in Target. You look like you're struggling, right? Like I would love for you to do that. Um, I'm happy to come and hold your stroller <laughs> at Target. <laughs> well, so, I, you know, to some extent, you're talking about how we've weaponized gender for men yeah. and for women. And what I love about the next generation is they're mm. like, great, you've weaponized two types of gender, but there's so much more. And we're just like not even paying attention. To that. 
That's true. Right? Like, whatever. That's so yep. cute. But, you know, to go back to the Dar Williams days, and I do miss the Dar Williams days, you know, the 90s and aughts when we were fighting for incremental change, thinking that that was going to move the needle. And now I would kill anything to make those small fights because the fights that we're fighting are much bigger. Bigger. But- Dar Williams has another song, which I really love. And I forget the details of it, but it's buildings and bridges were made to bend in the wind. Do you know that one? Yeah. We're not, we're not so fragile. And so like, what's the word? Like so rigid that when life comes at us, when people's opinions come at us, when life changes that we can't evolve, we can't sway and bend and just, you know, be a little bit more fluid in our own lives. So we we talked about this as terms of our personal growth and development, but it can also be in terms of changing opinions where we once had a very strong opinion about what is normal and what is acceptable. We can think about it in the context of supporting one another that we might never have thought, you know, I right. may have a long time ago said, oh, I don't understand the trans uh, movement. And now I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, so yeah. a- allowing that growth. Um, yeah. I may have said solo parenting is a terrible choice and now I love it, you know, allow for that, <laughs> yeah. growth, you know, right. Exactly. And forgive yourself for the, you know, yeah. as well as others, give everybody a little space to grow. Hold those um, strollers, right. And yeah, get those strollers, <laughs> start pushing them. Don't yes. side eye the stroller. That yes. person doesn't want to be shoving that thing around target. <laughs> God, I remember living in Brooklyn. People would be like, Ugh. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I love sh- pushing the stroller down the sidewalk with everybody on it. But you know, it's harder than not pushing the stroller down the sidewalk. Carrying a baby. Carrying a baby or wanting to push the stroller and not- I know, I know. Exactly. See, thank you. So I, for the longest time, really wanted to have a kid in my life. And my neighborhood is exceedingly kid-friendly. It is the thing that is keeping me sane because I've got this rich community. But I would see these strollers and everyone had the same one, up a baby, oh, yeah. up, a baby. up a baby right. vista, and yes. they would be pushing them in groups down the street. And oh, I would yeah. just cry because I so badly wanted to push a stroller. So yeah. yeah, you can be pissed that I'm pushing the stroller, but like, thank God I get to. Yeah. Um, and maybe, and thank God you don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah. No? Yeah. I know. I mean, what people don't seem to grab, I'm going off track. People don't seem to get that as we lose reproductive and physical medical care that that plays directly into also wanting to have children i mean the sister song community who literally coined the phrase reproductive justice and that movement came together to make sure that people of color could have the children that they wanted to have what are some words, phrases, language choices that we can all begin to incorporate in our lives when it comes to being more like aware of people who have alternative families, like as opposed to being like, hey, how many kids you got? Like, right. Like what are, so have you come upon any, have you, yeah. Uh, I think the way you phrased the question to me right at the beginning was great. Who's in your household? The other day I was at the park with it and I just happened to run into a child who didn't appear to have any adults with her mm-hmm. and I needed to leave the park and I was really nervous about what to say. And so I asked, you know, and I, I failed. I said, do, do you have a mommy or daddy here? Do you have a grandmother or grandfather? You know, and a friend came up uh, who had been an educator and said, who are your adults? 
Yeah. You know, who are your adults? That's a great way to ask it because they yeah. can say, my adult is my great aunt, or it can be my foster mom or whomever. And that's a really wonderful way to ask the question to kids. Yeah. Who are your trusted adults or who are your, you know, safe adults or something like that. So I, I do think being mindful about the way you ask the questions is more important necessarily than the way you describe it. Like you can say so-and-so has a family that looks like this. That's great. Or so-and-so's loved ones look like this, but it's, it's more about the question, I think, which yeah. you modeled for us exceptionally well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then came the 500 people who make up that one child's family. Yeah. To be like, we were just all using the bathroom. Like, oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I look forward to continuing to fail at how I uh, communicate with people. And I do it all the time. All right. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Stick around with me. Please, please, Julia. And we are going to share some genius and fail moments when we come back. Awesome. <laughs> Oh my gosh, hi, it's me, Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture game show, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play a whole host of games, like one where I describe a show using a limerick and our guests have to figure out what it is. Let's do one right now. What show am I talking about? This podcast has game after game and brilliant guests who come play you. The host is named Dave. It could be your fave, so try it. Life won't be the same. Uh, a big business starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Close, but no. Oh. Is it Troubled Waters, the pop culture quiz show with all your favorite comedians? Yes, Troubled Waters is the answer. To this question and all of my life's problems. Now, legally, we actually can't guarantee that. But you can find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206 350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. All right, everybody, we are back with the lovely Julia. While we were gone, we got even more political. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Get ready for that bonus clip. Anyway, uh, it is time for Genius and Fails. I will begin with uh, my genius. My genius this week is... After it being nearly impossible to book a physical for my children, because, you know, within this decade, I finally just settled into the fact that we were going to have to wait six months. And I did it. I booked it and got in for the physical. Today, we did it and got all the things checked. And the real genius, besides, you know, Raiden being exactly who they are and perfect in every way, whatever that means. I remembered to ask for the medical forms that the schools were going to need while I was there. That awesome. is the genius. I said, I do, do, they, do you need anything else? Yeah. All the printouts that I will forget to ask you for and then forget to turn into the school until, you know, two years late. Anyway, that's my genius. Remembering to ask for the forms. See, Julia, low bar here. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You mom are a genius. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. What 
do you have? For, for genius? Yeah. By the way, your text chain with your fellow parents who are doing that is that is genius, by the way. That is genius. It, it absolutely is. And I'd say my community in general is like my genius because... Yeah. You know, we live in the city. We've definitely outgrown, my son and I have definitely outgrown our space, but we live in a street specifically, a block specifically that does block parties all the time, oh. that gets together all the time, that the kids are all the same age and they can run up and down the street and say oh. hi to one another. And it's like growing up in the 80s or, yeah. you know, the 70s again. So I'd say that's my like overarching genius. But this week's genius, which may turn to be a fail, is that I went out to dinner last night with a friend who lives four doors down and her kid who's approximately the same age as mine. Her toddler was sitting there quietly eating and being very chill <laughs> and like so well behaved. And yeah. mine took everything in front of him and threw it as yeah. far as he could. Sure. Including a glass which shattered oh, everywhere, right? Good. Very um, good. <laughs> right. And so I paid for dinner and we decided to do something called toddler roulette, which is whoever's kid is the most poorly behaved at dinner has to pay. <laughs> <laughs> You are going to have to pay forever. I'm going to have to pay forever. My kid is going to be the one who's throwing glass things forever. So I thought it was brilliant at the time. Yeah, like, oh, this will was. be so fun. And now I realize, wait a minute, I've set myself up for a lot of expensive dinners. Yeah, but I got to tell you, that is genius. That is a good lens to put on a situation. That, that means you two saw each other. Right, right. <laughs> we did. And, and it sort of obligates you to another dinner, right? Yeah. Let's see I how know. bad this one can go. That's right. That's right. Oh, my God. I can just see both of you with your kids. All right, you should be on your best behavior tonight because <laughs> we got to make Julia pay for it. Pretty soon, everybody's going to have iPads and like just, you know, like, no, totally. my child needs a pacifier to the 16. I'll have the lobster, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> Totally, totally. It's going to be that situation. So we'll oh see God. how that one goes. We'll see. I love it. Good job. Hi, Biz. I am calling with a genius. I waited to call this in until after the fact because I was half afraid it would turn into a fail, but it didn't, so I'm calling it in. I sent my daughter backpacking with scouts, and I didn't go. She <laughs> is eight. She's been uh, scouting with our group for about three years, and... They had a backpacking trip, and I could have gone, and I thought, you know, she's going to do better if I don't go. So I didn't, and she did great, and I feel like a genius for giving her that freedom and that op opportunity for independence, and while she was gone, I went to an adult cocktail party, and it was fantastic. So I feel like a genius, and she feels like she did a really great job, too. So you're doing an awesome job, and I hope you have a great summer. <laughs> you know I'm not having a great summer. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you are a genius. This is, like, really – this is really genius. There, Every kid is different. You all know your kids best when it comes to when that time is to start really letting them explore their independence. Sometimes we mess it up. Sometimes – we mess it up as I sit around with my nine-year-old who's attached to my leg under the desk. But like, it seems like a simple decision. It seems like an easy choice, like in 
the consciousness of society, right? Like, well, of course you would just let your child go. Why wouldn't you? What's the big deal? But it is a big deal. And you also gave yourself something nice to do for you. Like, I love this. Yeah, I echo that. As I was hearing the eight-year-old going by herself, my anxiety was rising because you can imagine like, oh my God, my poor baby. And I, as I have a two-year-old, right? Yeah. Like, God, he can't go anywhere by himself and never until he's like 30. Not Um, a restaurant. Not (laughs) certainly not a restaurant. (laughs) But you know, it is so important to empower the people we love to be their best selves. And so I love that she was able to find that for her daughter. Yeah, it's a big deal. You did a really, really good job. I will say when you said that you had uh, gone to an adult and then I like there was a little pause and I was like, I was hoping you were going to say like review a little like, you know, a little male woo, or female, woo, whatever, just like dancing. Anyway, you're doing a wonderful job. I think those are banned in Tennessee. They are probably. <laughs> they have no fun there. <laughs> All right. Everybody, it is time for failures. suck. Okay. My failure this week is I, okay. We have three cats. That is not the fail. They bring great joy. It is my responsibility to put the flea medicine on the cats. And I have not because they just don't bother me. And usually they don't have fleas, but you know, seasons change. Suddenly everybody's got fleas. And if you have animals, you know that then fleas get kind of on everything. And today, which is fine, we can, we can take care of it. But today we had a guy here helping us replace uh, a part of the oven that we have not had working for about a week, uh, to which Ellis yells out, oh, I just had another flea on me. We have flea, I have fleas on me all the time. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. And then I just was like, great, this guy now knows that I am, you know, a horrible mother and I am ruining everyone's life with fleas. And uh, let's just say he wrapped up his work very quickly. So, you know, I'm, it's also fine, everybody. But I'm, I just realized this is like one of those weird ones, like where it's like, oh, you got a thing happen in your house. Yeah, I did it. I finally, I, I, I have let our house just become a wild flea bastion because I don't care. (laughs) Judge me, Julian. Try not to judge me. Try not not to judge me. (laughs) I'm not judging you. I am um, impressed that the gentleman who is helping you fix your stove moved things along a little faster. Like who doesn't want that? Whenever somebody's in my house, I'm like, get out as fast as you can. So in some ways it was a win. Some ways it was a win. Uh, in other ways, it was both a physical and emotional uh, fail. So I'm doing it. I'm totally not doing a good job. It's okay. All right. Lay it. Lay it on us. This was an almost fail. And that was I flew with the toddler down to uh, Georgia from Massachusetts last week. And um 
you know, dutifully changed his diaper before getting on the flight. Oh, just sure. so like, you know, all that stuff. And then I reach in the diaper bag and I realize there's zero diapers left. Oh no. None for the flight. So, you know, I'm texting my friends like, oh my God, what do I do if he has a poop explosion and we've yep. got no diapers? Um, and I realize I have some maxi pads in my bag. So I'm collecting them and like mentally building a diagram <laughs> for how I'm going to paste them into his pants if we need to use them. Yes. Um, thankfully we did not, but that was my fail was not having the diapers. Oh my God. That is, if it makes you feel any better, a classic, a classic, That's a classic. <laughs> that is, it's like, you should get your badge for yes. like going on a trip without the diapers, like a hundred percent. Also another classic is the repurposing of maxi pads <laughs> for a diaper emergencies and role reversal. We have had people use diapers upon starting their period on long car trips. I so, have heard this. This is amazing. This is the best. You're doing a horrible job. How dare you try and fly? <laughs> I love it. Hi, Biz. This is a fail. Apparently, my youngest, who used to be able to ride a two-wheel bike, um, can't do it anymore. And it's probably because we just, like, didn't have a bike that fit him for, like, a couple years and, like, the summer, I think, has just been, like, really hot the past couple years, and we just didn't want to bike, and we had other things to do, and we just never got around to getting a bike since he was, you know, younger. When he was younger, he could bike fine. Now he's seven, and he's screaming at me because he can't ride the stupid bike even though we came all the way out to a trail where they, the kids could just like go nuts and have space and there's no cars and it's great and it's a beautiful day and tried, but now I'm just getting screamed at. And if we would have just kept biking a little bit, probably wouldn't have happened. So I feel sucks. Bye. Oh yeah. Yeah. You should have kept biking through sun, through other children in your house, just every second of the day, you should have been biking. And mom groups online everywhere are going to give you their unsolicited advice about how you should have kept bike. I, I have uh, a child who cannot bike because we got a bike. Uh, but every time they got on the bike, they were terrified, uh, even with the training wheels. And I, too, stopped enjoying getting yelled at every time we tried to do something fun. And now years have passed and they want to try and learn how to ride a bike. Uh, and I, I'm with you. I'm a little like, I don't know. I don't know if that time has passed. I don't know if I have it in me. You might have to pursue this elsewhere. Is there a camp for that? I don't know. So, yeah, your first mistake was just not biking every day. And your second mistake was just trying to go out and do anything fun. Oh, I have so much empathy for this one. It's just so relatable on every level. Like you can relate to the kid who's feeling so dejected by not having uh -huh. the skill. And you can relate to the mom who's like, you know, how am I supposed to do all the things all the time? Yeah. All you, can't. you can't. You cannot do all the things. Yeah. It really is unbearable. But you can't. See, and that's where the blame falls back on us yeah. as parents for not being able to do all the things all the time. Shame, shame. Everybody knows your name. 
Speaking of names, I'm going to say yours, Julia, Carol, thank you so much for coming on and thanks for exploring the world of alternative families, which is not only fascinating and educational, but greatly needed in order for us to be able to see each other more as the full people that we all are, however we're doing it. So thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for coming on and talking about it with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I love your podcast. I love everything you do. I mean, talk about meeting people where they are and just providing love and support and all the ups and downs. You are incredible at that. So it's a joy to talk to you. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I Keith, do you know what I love more than the trivia, comedy, and celebrity guests on our podcast, Go Fact Yourself? No, what, Helen? Sharing all of those things with an actual audience. Yes, well, lucky for you, Go Fact Yourself is back to being a live audience show. Woohoo! Yeah, we've got a free recording coming up on January 15th in Los Angeles and February 11th in Pasadena. And if you can't make it there, all of our recordings will still be available as a podcast twice a month, every month on MaximumFun.org. Yeah, no excuses. So if you're not listening, you can go fact yourself. All right, everybody, we're back. And it's time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, I'm calling the rant. Um, I have a close friend who's pregnant. She texted me today telling me that she threw up on the street and when an older woman at her work asked how she was feeling after that. She said, well, too pregnant. And that person told her, oh, well, some people can't get pregnant, so you should enjoy every minute of it. And I would like to say an extremely angry fuck you to her and also to every single person who looked at me when I had a baby or a toddler in the line at the grocery store, if I was out in public, at the Target, and said, oh... They grow up so fast. Enjoy every minute of it. Fuck you. I did not enjoy babies and toddlers. And looking at me Ah. when I'm exhausted and out in public with my small children, who maybe were not acting the best, maybe they were that time, I don't know, and telling me that I should enjoy every minute of it, fuck you. You know what the best part about about kids growing up fast is? They aren't fucking babies and toddlers forever. (laughs) They get over it fast. I am appalled that my friend had to go through this and I had to get it out somewhere where somebody would understand. You're doing a great job. And anybody who suggests to someone in public that they should be uh, grateful or enjoy every minute of what is objectively a very difficult experience (laughs) should think twice before they open their mouth. Maybe just, maybe just shut the fuck up. If you find yourself with an urge to say something like that, shut the fuck up and then pat yourself on the back because you are doing a good job if you did that. Thanks, dude. Bye. Oh, honey, you are so welcome. You are doing a good job. Wow. Yes to all of that. Yeah, what is this? Again, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. What is this whole notion of you are loving every single aspect of every single part? Ah, and and if not, you are the monster. It is not true. It is not true. That guilt will kill us. 
all. It will put us in bad situations. You have to feel like you have the right to not be enjoying something sometime without it meaning you're not enjoying the whole experience, right? It's like, I love cake. I love cake. I do not care for pineapple upside down cake. Does that mean that I am now banned from all cakes? Me saying I don't like pineapple upside down cake, that means I don't like cake anymore? No, it doesn't. It does not mean that. The same is true of this situation. And your poor friend puking on the street. Oh, yeah, because now you can control it. If you have got like a morning sickness, a.k.a puking all the time because you are making a human being inside of you. Like that, to be told you should enjoy it, fine. Let me enjoy it on your shoes, passing stranger. And yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, I'm not a toddler, not a baby fan. Uh, those were really, 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 really hard, 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 hard times for me. So I'm, again, we know it's just garbage things that people say without thinking because it's just programmed in. It's like somebody gave us all at birth a list of things we're supposed to say in certain situations and then just randomly it gets pulled out when a situation arises that's even remotely similar to it. It's like pre, it's like autocorrect. And we've got to go in and change our autocorrect rules so that we don't do that, right? Yeah, I hear your rant. Thanks for making me go on a rant. That was all great. I hope we're all out there ranting. Ranting is good for us. And you are doing a wonderful job. Everybody, remember, you are all doing a good job. And that it is fine to come at this thing called parenting any way that makes sense to you. Let's not feel shame. Let's not feel guilt about our choices. And let's be willing to learn and grow when we need to. And to reward each other for it when we do it. You're all amazing. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.